Welcome to the Joy of Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Dr. James Taylor. On this podcast, we explore the passion and purpose of leadership. And we do so by talking with recognized leaders who do not merely have jobs, but men and women who have been called to their chosen sphere of influence. All right. Hey, it's great to have Greg Beatles here uh, with us on our podcast. And so, Greg, our, our podcast deals with the joy of leadership. And uh, you have a fascinating role, uh, something that, that frankly, I, I think is probably one of the coolest jobs I've, I've heard of around here. And uh, so tell us a little bit about your journey to this leadership position that you have and, and maybe begin by, by telling our listeners, where, where, what position are you in? And, and, and then we'll get to the journey. Sure. Um, yeah, so, so most days it's pretty cool. You know, we, we have our, our hard days just like everybody else does. Uh, but uh, my current role, I've, I've kind of got two things that I'm focused on with our organization. So um, with the Atlanta Falcons Football Club, uh, I'm the executive vice president and chief operating officer. Um, and I've been uh, now with the Falcons in my going into my 28th year. So I'll, I'll get to the history like you asked uh, in a second. And then sort of the other aspect I'm involved in, we have a uh, a company that uh, oversees, manages all of uh, Mr. Arthur Blank's sports and entertainment properties, uh, A and B sports and entertainment, A and B uh, um, are his initials. And so uh, I'm the chief financial officer for that entity. And so we oversee uh, the Atlanta Falcons, the Atlanta United soccer team, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. We manage and operate it. Um, also, Mr. Blank is the uh, primary owner of the PGA Tour Superstores, which we have a couple of them here in Atlanta uh, and more than 50 across the U.S. Um, and then a few other things that he, he owns, we also, we provide some services, some finance, HR, IT, kind of back office type things for uh, some guest ranches that he has out in Montana. Um, and then his foundation and his family office, we, we do a little bit of work for them as well, but Primarily focused on all the sports and entertainment um, uh, entities that you guys are probably familiar with here in the Atlanta area. So your role really crosses over into really all of his businesses. It do, it does okay. it, it, it does uh, and and different levels of involvement in in all of them. But uh, yes, we get we get involved and touch all of them, and we all collaborate well together and share best practices and things like that. So it's, how long it's have great. you been in that position? So we, we started that entity, the AMBSE entity, about 10 years ago. Okay. Um, and it was really when we were studying uh, buying a Major League Soccer franchise that uh, obviously now has become Atlanta United. Uh, and also, uh, once we knew that we were going to build Mercedes-Benz Stadium, we had a lot of negotiations and things before that. And so once that was sort of settled, that that was the direction we were going, uh, we set up the larger entity uh, to oversee all the sports properties. So it's been uh, it's been ten years now. So I'm, one of the, one of the kind of the themes that this show ends up having uh, is that we we kind of craft a path for ourselves, which rarely turns out to mm. be the path that we're going to craft. Yeah. Uh, I have the privilege of working with kids every day, as you as you are well aware. And uh, one of the things that we we constantly constantly really instruct our kids is, hey, you don't, you don't need to know 17 steps ahead. Uh, be faithful in this next step. Let the Lord right. direct your path in this next step and, and watch how that faithfulness is rewarded. So tell us kind of about that early journey. Did you always plan 
on uh, on being you know being in this kind of a position, or did you have a different path? Yeah, no, that's great advice that you give to to young people. And um, you know, I get opportunities to talk to college students and and high school students, and I I, I uh, share a lot of the same uh, the same approach uh, with them when I when I talk to them or when when folks ask me about career advice and things. Um, so I, I grew up in a, uh, in a sports family. My dad was a, a small college basketball, college basketball coach uh, for more than 50 years um, here in Georgia, um, Texas, and Oklahoma, and Louisiana. Um, he, was, he was fairly successful. He's, he was successful, and so we didn't have to move around a whole lot. That's great. Uh, I see that a lot in my industry. Uh, being a coach can be a tough job where, you know, people are, are moving their families around every two or three years. And so we were fortunate we didn't have to do a lot of that. Um, and uh, <clears throat> my dad's a big impact on me, so I'm very proud of him. So I'll mention that he, he was inducted several years ago into the National Christian College Athletic Association nice. Hall of Fame. Wow. Which was a, was a great honor for him and, and for our family. So, um, so I had that background with him. He was an athletic director, college coach, women and men's coach. Um, so I kind of knew a lot of the behind the scenes of, of athletics. Um, a lot of times people that are fans of sports, you know, will think, hey, that'd be a great uh, area for me to be involved in. Um, but particularly at the beginning of a career in sports, um, a lot of times if you're working at a game, for example, you may not see one minute of action because you, right. you're behind the scenes, you're in the locker room folding towels, you know, you're in the press box running around doing things for people. Uh, so a lot of times people that are hardcore fans are disappointed um, that they're not down on the sidelines, you know, cheering, cheering the players on, you know, during their, during their work. Um, but to get more directly to your question – um, I, I did not know, uh, I did not have a plan to be in sports. Um, I, uh, I, w- I went to uh, college, undergrad. I got, um, uh, my major was in uh, accounting and, LSU. Bu- and business at gotta LSU. Put the LSU in there. That's right, I'm a tiger. <laughs> um, and graduated from there and went to work in Houston, Texas in the oil and gas industry okay. in uh, finance, accounting, internal audit. Um, and I absolutely hated it. Really? Couldn't stand it. Um, and uh, I had a lot of great friends that moved also over to Houston, you know, had some good roommates. And, and um, so I don't think it was that I didn't like where I, where I was, uh, but just the work, um, I just wasn't connecting with me. I, you know, I learned some things. It was my first, you know, real full-time job. Um, and I thought maybe that uh, finance, accounting, business maybe wasn't, just wasn't for me, and that was what it was. Um, so I started looking around at going back to grad school um, and started thinking about uh, athletics. And so my, my thought then was that, well, maybe ultimately my goal will be uh, to get into college athletics and maybe be an athletic director one day. And so, you know, I did, I did kind of have some of that background with my dad. That's what I knew. I didn't know a lot about other right. opportunities in sports business. Um, so I did move back um, to Atlanta. My family was back here in Georgia. I grew up most of my life in Georgia. Um, and uh, went to grad school down at Georgia State University and uh, was fortunate to uh, get a graduate assistantship there um, and got a master's in sports administration there. Okay. And that gave me an opportunity to, to 
see a lot of different types of um, athletics and volunteered for just about everything that I could from a professional golf tournament to college basketball tournament. And I worked, did an internship at IBM and their sports and entertainment group, you know, things like that to try to learn what I liked and what I didn't like. And I had a great mentor um, there that ran the program that uh, really kept trying to push me back into finance and accounting and business and, and operations, things like that. Um, I was doing academic advisement for student athletes, and I thought maybe that was going to be my, my start in college athletics. Um, and uh, he, he really helped me to see that it wasn't finance uh, and business that I didn't like. Um, it was the industry that I was in. Oh, so interesting. Yeah. And, uh, and so that so, mentor was really important. Very important. And so he kept pushing me towards that. And some opportunities came up at the end. Um, I had a full-time job offer to go to Washington State University, which is a long way right. away from Atlanta. Um, and so uh, as an as a academic advisor to student athletes, uh, and then I had two internship opportunities. One was in finance at Georgia Tech Athletics, and the other was with Falcons, a 10-week internship. To work in the finance department. Um, so I decided I didn't want to go all the way across the country. It's funny because one of my best friends lives just a few miles from there now mm. that I grew up with here or, or that I knew here. Um, but did the 10-week internship um, more than 27 years ago and have been with the organization since. Um, and just along the way, it's just been, um, you know, sort of what you were alluding to, James, just the... Um, doing what was in front of me at, mm -hmm. at the time and trying to learn and help the organization in whatever way I could. And so really, you know, started at, at the bottom. And I, I say today, I, I say myself really as a glorified intern in a lot of ways. <laughs> I just do whatever the organization needs me to do. And, and uh, it's been a great ride. Um, Mr. Blank bought the team after about my seventh year with the organization. So I helped to sell the Falcons to him uh, 20 years ago. And... Um, he took a took a chance on a on a uh, you know North Georgia boy that um, I knew a little bit about the business and I learned just a ton from him and all the other great executives that he brought in. Um, so the last twenty years has been uh, just a great experience with uh, growing the Falcons you know to where it is today, developing Mercedes-Benz Stadium, one of the top stadiums in the world, and helping to launch Atlanta United, um, which has had great success so those are definitely world. i want to get to those themes for sure yeah i'm, I'm really fast so so here you are you have an undergrad uh already jumped into a career that that definitely not having you know a whole lot of joy out of it yeah. come back do a do a master's program uh and now you're serving while you're doing your master's and and you take that risk on this internship Right, uh, and right. you're not 19 at that point in time, you know, fresh right. out. So, I mean, now you've yeah. got some experience, some, some ideas behind you. And, and so I, I love this idea that we've already seen these two themes that are coming out. One, the importance of wise mentors, uh, really being Absolutely. able to listen to mentors who know you, who understand your skill set and how that can be applied. That's a, that's a big thing for, for, for people who are listening. And one of the things that I'm learning uh, as a guy in my early 50s, I am learning you are never too old to have mentors. Uh, matter of fact, I just reached out two weeks ago to a guy 
who he said, I said, man, listen, I, I want, I want you to mentor me. I would love to have you involved in my life in shaping me. He's 15 years older than I am, uh, but he's just got this vast experience. And I, I think that's an important concept, right? Uh, no, no doubt. I'm, I'm similar age as you are. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and I still appreciate the mentors that are in my, in my life today and, and friends. Um, you know, so just like, uh, you know, when I was in my mid twenties, when I, I couldn't really see some things about myself, having others that do know you, that you let really get to know you, that can have input into your, your life, um, in all aspects of your life is just so important because we're, we're just blind to things. A lot of times, uh, we, we can't see, um, where we may have shortcomings, um, blind spots. And so having others that can really be honest with us and that we can model after is just very important. Were you already married at that point when you were, when you were taking the internship? Uh, I was not, Okay, I was not. So I was with the Falcons a couple of years before Jill and I got okay. married. Okay. Um, all right. So, so now I, we're going to jump into some of the corporate stuff here for a minute. Sure. Now, now for anybody who does not know you, you're one of the most humble guys that, that, that I know. Uh, and so I do just want to throw out an accolade here. Uh, CFO of the year award you received this last year, right? Uh, through, uh, for large private companies. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Well, how, how did that take place? And congratulations, by the way. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, I've, I've, uh, I'm now, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm getting older, so I've been in the Atlanta business community for a long time. And, you know, one of the, one of the benefits of working for our organization is uh, we have a lot of connections, a lot of networking. We, we work with uh, a lot of the top companies in the in the US that are headquartered here Atlanta is a is a major fortune 500 headquarter um, city and only increasing in impact it continuing to right. increase all the time you know you've seen Microsoft is right. coming is moving here and building big campus and that campus is already not big enough they're talking about adding some more offices in mm. midtown and other places so um, being able to be involved in you know with companies and leaders of, of um, uh, of leading uh, organizations like that over all these years has been beneficial. Um, I've been able to, uh, I've been for the last few years, been able to uh, help out the College Football Hall of Fame uh, as a board member and just get to meet a lot of people through different community um, activities and organizations like that. And so, um, so I think, um, you know, it's, it, was a, it was a very nice recognition. It's, it's, it's uh, I said this then when interviewed by them, it's really more a recognition of our organization and our great team that we have put together because if I wasn't a part of that, I wouldn't even be considered for sure. it. So uh, we really do have a great, um, a great leadership team, uh, really the best I've been around in 30-plus in years of, of being in, uh, in business. Um, and so, uh, so, so yeah, it, it was. And that, and that's spoken like great. a guy with humility, and I love that. You know, when you're the leader, I say to my folks all the time, uh, you know, if there's a victory, it's your victory. If it's a failure, it's my failure, uh, yeah. even if it involves someone else. So I, I love the fact that you kind of shed that glory in regard to that, and, and it points towards your leadership skills and acumen, which I, which I love. Uh, you are, you are a, a senior leader in some organizations that in our area, which is a booming area, in our area, are very forward-facing. I mean, people, mm-hmm. everyone knows about the Falcons right. um, and, and their success. Uh, two, two of just the, the biggest stories in, in the last uh, several years, one has been the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. 
you were you were very involved in the building of of Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Tell us a little bit about that, how that transpired, sure. uh, and and what your role in building Mercedes was. Okay, um, yeah, it's, it's something that we're all very proud of, and and it it goes back, uh, believe it or not, to pretty much the first day that Mr. Blank bought the Falcons. Um, he. Uh, he, he did something great and went around and spent time with every single employee. Our, our uh, staff, our business staff at that time, we had less than 100 people. Mm. And now um, on just the A&B sports and entertainment side, so not including PGA Tour stores and all those, we have, we have around 600 people. Wow. So it's a much bigger organization than it was then. <clears throat> so he took time, went around and sat in everybody's office and, and you know, said, hey, tell me about your job, tell me about this or that. Um, I didn't really get a lot of uh, slack from him in terms of learning what my job was because he already he was a CFO at Home Depot before he was CEO and and so he just immediately brought out financial statements and said take me through all of this line by line let's go through and talk about it and so through that conversation one of the things that he asked me was um, hey what's it going to take for us to build uh, to own and build our own stadium because I want to control. Uh, the fan experience for our fans and make it as best as it can be. Um, and so we had great partners with the state of Georgia's Georgia World Congress Center Authority owned the Georgia Dome. Mm-hmm. But we were basically just a tenant. And so we showed up on Sundays. We, we had our games, but we weren't in charge of the food and beverage. We were in charge of uh, even at uh, when we started selling suites or selling sponsorships in the building or anything like that. Um, and so uh, because of that, we, we were a little – handcuffed on what we could what we could do um and so that um so that was you know 20 years ago when you first started asking those questions and so we started thinking about it working on it um and it ended up being a pretty intense uh, effort for about 10 years so a, a decade of my life <laughs> a decade of my career um dedicated in large part to all the analysis all the negotiations all the site evaluations of different places, um, financial analysis, hiring architects, uh, builders, how, how many contractors. Years, how many years ago were they, did you guys complete that? So it was opened in 2017. 2017. So okay. we're, we're starting our sixth year of operation, okay. which is crazy to think it's, it, it's been that long. Um, so, so for a few of us, Rich McKay, our, our CEO at the Falcons, and I, and, and another uh, one or two folks, it was pretty much a 10-year thing. Right. Um, and, um, you know, has, has turned out phenomenal. So it was really from the top, yeah. inspiration from Arthur. Um, he wanted us to go out, talk to the fans, talk, go to visit. Uh, we went to venues all across the world. You know, what's working for you, what's not working for you, asking people questions. Um, and the main thing was, hey, find what are the what are the biggest friction points for fans that come to our stadium, that come to our our events. And so we researched, we worked with the NFL, we found out what those were, and then we just went after solving the biggest problems initially, and everything else just kind of flowed from that. Um, and, and, th- and now you can't even like I can't even imagine Atlanta without Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I mean, it, it it has just made such a huge impact on the city mm. and on our surrounding area. And it's such a statement of the kind of quality that mm. that our city will not, will represent. I mean, it it yeah. really with Mr. Blank's participation in that, your participation in that, it makes such an enormous uh, uh, statement on on just the quality of of 
of our region. And I think, I think this is, you know, this is a, a part of the impact of why our area is growing at such a fast rate, because there, there are quality people who are putting in, in those types of, of, of construction projects and really making an impact on the forward facing, you know, piece of our, of our city. Now, a huge story in there that, that they had always said could not be done in the Southeast uh, was, was to jump in with our soccer team Yes. Uh, and so, so walk me through that a little bit. It, it, for those of you who are listening, if you have never been to an Atlanta United game, you need to. It is an experience like nothing other. Uh, it's, it's like uh, a, they planned a party uh, that a soccer game broke out in the <laughs> middle of. And, uh, and it really is just a, such a great experience. And, and they said it couldn't be done. And now from the articles that I've been reading, you guys really are setting the trends on ticket sales and, and how to produce that. So walk us through a little bit of what that looks like, because this is a major success in our area. Sure. Um, yeah, and thank you. It's, it's, it has been really exciting. I didn't grow up playing soccer. I grew up in rural northeast Georgia. We didn't have youth soccer or anything, so I didn't know anything really about it. And, and so the last 10 or so years, learning more about it and getting into the game and meeting people that do actually know things about it and learning um, has been just tremendously enjoyable for me. And, um, you know, as a, almost a 30-year professional football guy, I kind of hate to say, I think, you know, at least, I won't say which of my kids, uh, since uh, some of them still go to school here, <laughs> I think they would prefer to go to Atlanta United uh, soccer match than they would a Falcons football game. <laughs> um, maybe not my boys, but my girls, I think, would definitely would definitely uh, enjoy that. It's, it's such a high-energy game, the way that, particularly the way that we play. Um, you know, there's no timeouts. There's, you know, it's two hours. You're in and out, um, and it is just like a like like you mentioned, just a big, huge party the whole time. Um, so, kind of starting at that end point uh, last year, it's just hard to believe. I mean, we were the we had the seventh highest attendance for professional soccer in the world. In the world. So you think about English Premier League. Right. You think about Italy, Spain, everywhere in Europe, um, South America where um, they've got, you know, just decades and decades on us of, of club history and, and things of that nature. Um, for us to just be in that category is just really mind-blowing. And, I, I, and um, I can't sit here and say, hey, that's the way we planned it from the very beginning. We had it all figured out because, you know, we, we didn't. It's been just like we were talking at the outset, just kind of one foot in front of the other, trying to do the right thing as we, as we go along. Um, and so, uh, again, you know, Mr. Blank kind of set the standard from the top. Um, we, again, went around and, and visited a lot of different um, facilities, a lot of different clubs. Um, Seattle was, was uh, someone in the MLS that had been very successful from the outset. We spent a lot of time with them trying to learn from them, and they were very helpful to us, which we try to do the same to others that uh, are getting started or um, want to make some changes. So... Um, the, the main thing there was we didn't want, uh, Arthur didn't want, and, and our executive team didn't want uh, Atlanta United to be seen as sort of a uh, redhead step, stepchild to the Falcons. And um, I say that with two redheads in my family, so, <laughs> I, I, so I, I'm qualified to say it. Um, but to, to try to put them on equal par with an NFL team, right. uh, which a lot of folks you know, had not done in the past. So one thing, when you go into Mercedes-Benz Stadium, you won't see a lot of permanent signage for Atlanta Falcons. 
if you go up on the 300 level, mm-hmm. it's pretty much dedicated to the Falcons. because And, and this is a, a hint that we didn't know how big soccer was going to be. Our thought was, well, we'll never use the 300 <laughs> level for soccer, so we can have you know sort of our Falcons walk up there. But everywhere else, um, it's all digital. So that on Atlanta United match day, everything you see is Atlanta United. Right. On Falcons, it's Falcons. On right. an SEC championship game, it's SEC. Um, and so that was a, a big push that we had, which helped Atlanta United. And so um, I, there's a lot of things that could go on, and on about our, our um, CEO that we hired from the very beginning. It was just uh, announced the last few days that he's leaving us after six years, mm. and he's going uh, to the English Premier League to be the CEO at Newcastle. Wow. Um, and so um, he's just a, a part of you know, the success that he helped to bring here and, and with the club's success that to think someone from MLS would be going to run an English Premier League team um, probably would not have been a reality, you know, several years ago. Uh, but it's, it's changed. And, and the league has been, has, has been doing wonderful. A lot of other teams, um, <clears throat> you know, are averaging uh, very high attendance in the, into the 20s and even into the 30s. Um, it's exciting. We just had uh, we have several matches a year that we open up the entire building and have seventy thousand people at a soccer match in downtown Atlanta, Georgia. It's unbelievable. It's, and, it's and again, crazy. they said it couldn't yeah. be done. Yeah, now crazy. there's a coup that took place, and I'm sure that you were a part of this World Cup. Tell yes, us about the yeah. World Cup coming. Okay. Um, yeah, that's that's a big that's a big deal. So 2026, um, the U.S. and North America had already been named as as the host, and so. Um, we were on the early list of possibilities for hosting World Cup. And so for a few years, we've been working, working through that. We still actually have some negotiating to do. Um, any, any folks that are out there in the soccer world familiar with it know that um, FIFA can, uh, can be tough to negotiate with. I'll just kind of <laughs> leave it at that. Um, but it's, it's a fantastic worldwide event. I mean, you think about the Super Bowl and the impact that it has. And then think about hosting five or six Super Bowl games, you know, in a matter of weeks, which right. is basically what's going to happen. Right. So it's a huge positive impact financially, economically for Atlanta and for and for Georgia. Um, we're basically giving the building away during that time, so uh, we're trying just not to lose money through it. But it, so it's really a, a community event, um, and there's people from all over the Atlanta business community helping out um, to make it a reality. It will be such a big statement in this area because I think uh, the the success of Atlanta United has been something that has really been kind of shouted from the rooftops because it, it was it was just such an unknown entity and it has just taken off. Right. Uh, I've had the privilege. I was in the UK a while ago and got to see the excitement of soccer, uh, football. Right, we yep. football yep. there. Uh, I was in Mexico several years ago during a soccer championship, and let me just say, it was unbelievable. I mean, it was just insane. I was glad to just get out of there alive. Like, it was just a remarkable experience. Yeah. Uh, the level of intensity is, it, it almost feels like hyper-religious. I mean, it's, it's so intriguing. Oh, sure. So bringing the World Cup here, it's going to make such a, powerful, such a powerful statement. So bravo to you. Uh, in your organization as, as we're really just, again, putting Atlanta on the map uh, through, through some of the things that you, that you guys are doing. So such an exciting position. Let me explore just a little bit because I'm, I'm, Arthur Blank has uh, just impacted our region 
not just with his visionary prospects on how he leads. Uh, he's an amazing philanthropist. He has just done some remarkable pieces. You get to have time with him. You're rubbing shoulders with him. Am I correct in saying you're his longest employee? Uh, let's see. That's a good question. Um, close, close, close. So yeah. if not, if not the, you're one of, you're one of his very, very longest. Yeah. Employees. We, we actually have uh, a couple of people now that were involved with him at home Depot before he bought okay. the team. And so, um, on his family office side and PGA tour superstores, actually our CEO of, uh, PGA tour superstores worked with us at the Falcons for a long time as our chief marketing officer. Um, and he held a similar role at Home Depot. But there, there's a couple. But, yes, I'm definitely one of the old guys. So, how, <laughs> so how, what are you learning from him? What, what do you, he just, I've, I've watched a number of programs with him on. I've read a lot uh, about him. He just thinks on a totally different level. Uh, just his entrepreneurial spirit just it's it's phenomenal to me it, it really just surprises me every time i read something tell me a little bit about what that what that relationship has been with him uh for you what you've learned as a leader uh, how that continues to progress tell us a little bit about that relationship sure yeah it's it's been great um to be able to work closely with arthur over the years the last several years he he has tried to kind of pull back from being actively involved um, it's really hard for him to do that. You know, we're, um, he's, he's approaching uh, 80 years old, so, so we, we try to remind him that that's one of his goals is spend more time with his family and things of that nature uh, and doing things that he likes. So we try to encourage him to do that. Um, but he still brings value to us. We, you know, we have, you know, pretty, pretty big formal meetings with him, at least on a quarterly basis. And then um, our executive team meets with him, you know, more, more regularly than that. Uh, but, but, yeah, just over the years, um, you know, a lot of people ask me, hey, what was the biggest change to the organization after Mr. Blank bought the Falcons? Um, and, I, you know, the things I would point to is um, he obviously had a higher level of resources, um, but always very strategic and careful in how you invest the resources. Um, he, he always says, hey, look, you need to pay people what they're worth. You got to make sure he holds us accountable. You got to make sure you have the right people in the positions. And if there's, he's very entrepreneurial. He's, you know, uh, a builder, you mm -hmm. know, from the ground up. Um, um, you know, from the Home Depot days, he's very customer service. Very, that's why we talk about fan experience all the time. It starts, you know, with the fans. And, you know, from the very beginning, he said, look, I, I, I want for the city of Atlanta, he, he does see for these sports entities, he sees himself um, as just the steward of them right, right now. Um, and, and so he, he, he promised to put a winning product on the field and uh, win in the community and, and have great fan experience, you know, for, for everybody that that, that comes and so we we try to deliver on those promises every day i, I watched an art i watched a, a, an article uh, on him and he said three times in in that in that interview we're in the people business we're in the people business we're in the people business right. and i and i i really i see that I and mean, you can see that lived out with the fan experience understanding uh that that that's the you know those are the people who you're working with but also from an employee perspective really caring about employees and really working and clearly that's I can see why he likes you so much because it, that's clearly evident in your leadership style as well. In your leadership, uh, tell us a little bit about who you manage 
And then we always kind of ask for, you know, truths. Are, are there nuggets of truth that you can, mm. that you can share with us uh, as far as leadership and management uh, that really we'll, we'll, we'll be able to pass on? Sure. So, so the groups that I work most closely with manage, is that? Yes. Question? Okay. Yeah. Sure. So, uh, so we just did a, a reorganization just a few weeks ago. And so my, my role um, has changed a little bit. Um, just in the last in the last few weeks, and so for the last several years, um, as the CFO and Chief Administrative Officer for the larger group A and B S S and E, um, finance was was clearly a, a part, um, and so the folks that run finance for each of those entities, um, part of my my team, um, our IT team uh, was part of my group for a long time. Um, I recently given given them up um, in this reorg. Uh, and taking on more direct operating responsibilities of the Falcons with, with the revenue team. Sure. Um, so sponsorship, tickets, um, uh, retail, all revenue-generating things for the Falcons. All, those folks are all, are all part of my team now. And then at a and e we have an uh, innovation team. We have a uh, corporate strategy group, uh, data and analytics, uh, emerging technologies. So things like that that... Um, are, you know, mostly behind the scenes. We do look at forward fan-facing things. Um, and, and, you know, if you think about things that, that have a lot of planning involved, longer-term planning, trying to, uh, to be strategic about where we are a few years down the road, um, th- those are the kind of things that I generally focus on and, and the folks that work with me. So real visionary, big-picture big thinking. In, in your... In your very wide and vast role do you have an opportunity to apply your faith in that in that setting is there is there an opportunity for that i know that personal faith is a big issue for you i know that that's very very near and dear to your heart and you live it out in a powerful way uh how how does how does that is that a role for you in in that corporate setting yeah i mean my uh, my thoughts and uh, approach on that is is there's no way to divide your life or you surely you shouldn't right. try to um, and so uh, hopefully my my faith is just part of what i what i do um, and we, we've been talking recently with some uh, friends of mine and our leadership at our church just about the concept of uh, faithful presence and that's uh, something uh, have picked up from some other faith leaders um, over the last several years um, and and Basically, the approach of, um, you know, when you think about the two commandments that Jesus said are most important, love, love our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so every day of life is just working those two things out. And so uh, for those of us uh, in, the, in the work world, um, you know, the people that we spend the most time with and the things that we can have the most impact on, um, are in the office, are in work, whatever, whatever that is, if you're a teacher, um, teaching. So um, how, do I, how do I love my neighbor every single day, uh, the person right in front of me with what I'm, mm-hmm. I, I'm dealing with? What, what do they need that, and what way can I love them best? Um, and then, you know, the concept, uh, the biblical concept that we are all made in the image of God, the Imago Dei, um, and God is a creator, um, creator of, of the true good and beautiful. And so uh, we're, we have the mandate to go out and reflect that 
um, creativeness in all that we do. And so solving problems, creating new things um, that help uh, our community and uh, people that are neighbors to flourish is just what our everyday life should be about. And so I'm put in a certain position where I have opportunities to do that in the way that are in front of me, just like you do and everyone does. And so being able to realize that and and understand how God has gifted me and gifted gifted each of us um, to to go and do those things is is what you know our our life and our spiritual walk is all about. For me. And I love I love the fact that you're emphasizing this idea that there shouldn't be compartmentalization, like it should be lived out all the time. Right. And I also, having known you now for a couple of years, it, it's been a real blessing for me to see that lived out. You you've been an important person here at our school. You've been incredibly important at Oak Hill uh, Classical, where you where you really help lead that organization. You also were the co-founder of Arete Scholarships, and yes. so I, I loved seeing how you have translated that skill set, which you have honed and defined in the corporate world. But now you've taken that skill set and the financial impact that you can have, and just the academic and, and intellectual impact you can have uh, on a spiritual realm as well. Uh, tell us a little bit about about why you've chosen to be involved. You're heavily involved in academics. Uh, mm-hmm. You are heavily involved in in also Arete Scholarship as one of the founders. Tell tell us a little bit about why that has flowed naturally through your skill set and your passions. Yeah, that's great. Um, so you know, I mentioned my dad before in education. Um, his whole life, my mom was was a teacher. She died of cancer mm-hmm. um, early on, age fifty three. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she was a great elementary, middle school teacher in the public schools mostly, and some in private schools. Um, and, and so education uh, just runs really deep in our family. My sister is a teacher. Uh, my sister-in-law is a teacher. Um, we also have a lot of pastors in the mm-hmm. family. And so um, I, I, I think um, I, I enjoy teaching. I, I taught a little bit at Georgia State in their master's program before I got too busy with, with my full-time job. Um, but just really enjoy that. Um, so I think that draw to uh, and background with academics and seeing the importance of, of education on, again, helping people to flourish um, in, in life um, led both to um, you know, helping to co-found uh, Arete Scholars Fund, which helps low-income students afford, um, better afford opportunities like coming to Hebron. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, if, um, giving them opportunities if they're stuck in a situation um, most, most of the, um, families are single parent, uh, minorities, low, low income. And so they don't have the same type of opportunities that we do to either a mom stay home and homeschool or afford, uh, to move to a better school district or, um, or to afford private school. So it, it's an opportunity for them to really, uh, flourish in, in the way they can. I know I keep using that word, but it's, it's, it's a important one for me. Um, and then the same with um, Oak Hill Classical that you mentioned. So we're a K-4 through 8 um, school that uh, in, in many ways, like, like, like Hebron, focuses on, on, on values and uh, Christian values, um, character. Um, and, and just what we were talking about before, just how um, all of life is spiritual life. That's right. Um, so that importance, you know, at, at, at a young age... Um, uh, is really what 
some of the things that that drive my involvement in those organizations. Uh, is is your wife Jill? Is she tied in with a lot of those pieces as well? Because I know that for a guy who is as busy as you are and who has had as many vast, high-level experiences, you need a very patient wife as well. I've yeah. learned that in my own life. Yes. Uh, tell us a little bit, is, is Jill involved with you in those pieces as well? She, she is, in particular in the school right. pieces, both here and, and uh, at Oak Hill, uh, over all the years. And so, yeah, being, being a school mom, having, uh, having uh, classes over for parties at the house and all those kind of things, she's... Uh, tremendously supportive on all those, and just like you were saying, and in my work, I couldn't do, you know, what what I'm uh, what what I'm able to do or be involved in w- without her, you know, taking care of the home. That's right. The home fires and, and keeping that going, and and she was she has a great professional background. She was a nurse and did that for several years, and um, still helps out when when uh, when she needs to from that from that standpoint. Whenever you see somebody being faithful. Uh, on the level that you are, you know that there's a hero at home. Like you just, you just know, you, you know that that person's there holding down the fort, making sure that that part's smooth, which is such an enormous thing. So some of the things that I've heard today, which, which I think are so important uh, for people to see, one, the, the importance of finding good mentors, the importance of really listening to people and allowing people into our worlds, uh, which can sometimes be a little bit daunting because it, particularly if somebody's going to speak honesty uh, that, yes. that might not be only uh, shining, you know, but maybe, maybe also saying some critical pieces. But so really finding that mentor role, being faithful where we are. And I also love the fact that you, you've talked about this idea of the two commandments of, you know, love the Lord to God with all your heart, soul, and mind, but then also to love your neighbor as yourself. And that mindset of loving your neighbor as yourself has also really driven your management style. Mm-hmm. That idea of that care and compassion for other people. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I have really appreciated is that I, I think in our in our society so often we we seem to think that uh, a senior le- le- a leader in in this kind of capacity that you're living at uh, has to be this kind of loud, brash, gregarious person. And, and frankly, I, I just I love the fact that you are a quiet, introspective person who's a deep thinker, uh, and yet you are making an impact in such forward-facing organizations that are, are not just impacting our schools, but also impacting our city and our region and, and really our country. But I love the fact that, that, that God can take every personality trait, all of those things that were built into us, uh, and to really be able to use them for his glory. And so that's such a powerful lesson that I see also lived out, you know, in your life as well. Uh, any other management tidbits that you'd want to pass on? Well, I'll just build on that, what you just, what you were just mentioning, you know, that's, it's a, a beautiful picture of the church and the way that it's described as the body of Christ and, right. and how, um, you know, if everyone on our senior leadership team was like me, it would not be good. Um, uh, if everyone was like our CEO, who's who is, you know, that outspoken, spoken, very, very strong, public face, uh, inspiring kind of person, if we were all like that, it wouldn't be good. And right. so, um, you know, putting together, if we look at it from the business side, putting together a team that complements one another, um, that can uh, speak openly and honestly to one another, like, you know, sometimes my role is is to say, "Hey guys, cool it. Like right. we need to we need to chill out here for a minute. We need to figure this out." And then sometimes the role is to me, like, "Hey, Greg, let's go. Come on, get mm-hmm. up. You, mm-hmm. You've you've had plenty of time to analyze this and think about it, and you have 412 scenarios. Like it's time <laughs> to go." Um, and so th- finding that good blend um, is so important. And then right. 
you know, when we see that in the church, both in, in a particular local church or in just the body of Christ, like our responsibility is, is not to solve every problem. We, we have a body of believers around the world to help right. do those right. that all have different strengths. Um, and so that's so encouraging. We can get weighed down looking at the problems of the world or even just the problems, right. you know, around the corner. Uh, but knowing that there's other churches in our community, other believers, um, that we can all work together um, is, is really what, yeah. it's, what it's all about. Be faithful in the tasks to which we've been called. There you go. And then let the others be, do the same thing. Greg, hey, that's a perfect way for us to end our segment. Greg, I appreciate you. I'm glad to call you friend. And uh, I thank you for just the impact you're having, not just on our town here in our area, uh, but also on, on our greater city of Atlanta and really on the whole region. Thank you for being faithful. And thank you for being a faithful believer too, taking your faith right into the workplace. So appreciate your time today. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. I appreciate it. This was fun. Thank you for joining us on the Joy of Leadership podcast, where we emphasize the blessings of leadership and our call to this vital role. 